Hello and welcome to Publish Me, a podcast series from AS21 Publishing. I'm your host, Keith F. Shovlin. I'm the Executive Officer and Chief Creative of AS21 Publishing. Joining me is... Hello everyone, my name is Paul Russell. I am the author of the upcoming novel, The Will of the Magi. So this is our first official episode of the podcast, titled Title Page. If you have any questions for us and want to reach out to us, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash publishpodcast, or you can reach out to us on Twitter at at publishpodcast. You can find uh, information about the podcast plus files at media.as21.com. Now we're going to start out, first hand off to Paul, and he's going to talk to you about his story, The Will of the Magi, and then we'll, we'll do introductions for the two of us. Now, this will be a monthly podcast. It'll come out on the 7th of each month. And we'll, as we go along, we'll be checking in with Paul on the process of him writing his book and then moving on from there to the editing process, designing a cover, uh, doing marketing strategy, promotions, and then everything that goes into the process of publishing his book. So now, Paul, here you go. Thank you, Keith. With my story, the way... I delve into all of my fantasy stories, like everyone else is, whatever the first initial idea was. Um, The story, The Will of the Magi, or what is now becoming The Will of the Magi, is a story I have been working on for several years now, slowly. My initial fascination with this story was my premise of the use of the magic in the world. And I've just been expanding it from there. In my world, uh, my fantasy world, the magic itself is probably as broad as possible as you would find in most fantasy worlds. Um, Literally anything can be done with it. It's more shaped by the creativity of the person wielding it, which people will then will get to experience and see as they read my story and as they go into it. My other fascinations, of course, with all fantasy stories are the myriad of different races and fascinating things you can create in the world. Fantasy, I have found you can create almost anything, so I have been working on that by trying to create unique ways of seeing the fair staples of the fantasy world. Um, So, you know, anyone who sees what my elf is, what my dwarf is, what my goblin or my human is, they will understand that, yes, they can fall into that category, but I will have hopefully enough differences in them that people like, yes, this is a unique thing that they are seeing here. Thank you, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else you want to say? Uh, did I cut you off? I'm sorry. No, uh, I'm just trying to figure out where I... There's so much I can go into with my story. Any one of my stories I that I can go with, I talk about, I generally have the entire story outlined in my head, and I can generally just pick out any one detail, but because I have you know, this audience now, I want to be able to share it all with you, but I also want to make sure I don't give you everything, you know, right. initially, so that you guys will come back for the next fight. <laughs> right. And uh, just a program you know, I mean, the key, this podcast is to be conversational. And it's not, I'm not going to be quizzing Paul intently on 
process and everything each month, but just really the ebb and flow of ideas and helping him to, uh, not only helping him through the writing process, but also just trying to make sure that we're all keeping on track here. But at the same token, this is going to be a relaxed podcast, a lot of back and forth, and just trying to make it conversational so it's not too formulaic and not too, and you know, remains entertaining for you, the listener. We start each podcast with an idea of what we're going to be talking about, but what we actually discuss in the course of the podcast could go on any number of things. I, I do want to keep like a level of timelessness to it as well, so there will be no me- mention of too many current events beyond the stuff in our own lives that contribute to the process right now. So uh, let's do a little bit of background. Uh, Paul, if you want to talk about yourself first, I'll give you let you go first. Thank you, Keith. I've been uh, a writer pretty much my entire life. I've always enjoyed writing. The embarrassing story I can share right now is when I was very, very small, I was, uh, I believe I was in kindergarten, my mother has record of me creating a book on dragons, you know, to the extent that a kindergartner, you know, what, five, four years old can create, uh, but that, you know, is a, my first official thing that I ever created in the fantasy world, and it's expanded since then. Um, uh, everything I do with my life, I try to incorporate, you know, my love of fantasy and my love of books and my love of writing into it. Um, I, you know, first, you know, put my first real effort into writing my first novel when I was in middle school in the seventh grade. You know, handwriting in pencil is never a good idea, especially when your typing skills are abysmal. Most of those 110 pages I wrote in the 7th and 8th grade are currently smudged beyond recovery, which, you know, has distressed me greatly. Middle school, you know, went on into high school, and I continued my writing career, although at that time my ability to start a story was vastly, you know, exceeding my ability to actually finish them. So, you know, many, many projects got started and rarely got finished in middle school. Uh, I went on to uh, college at uh, Fairleigh Dickinson University as a creative writing major. There I self-published a book, and I expanded from there, working on many different projects. You know, working uh, with lots of my friends who would help. We all help each other out in that area. Uh, I then went on to work, and with my job, I was hoping, you know, I hope to get the time to write. Uh, which I did. I started many writing projects, um, but I never found myself able to accomplish them. Uh, then last year in 2014, I was lucky enough to have a high school friend of mine, uh, David Silverman. He contacted me out of the blue. Uh, we hadn't spoken in a few months, maybe as much as a year at that point. And he asked me if I was still writing. And I was like, absolutely, I'm still writing. He's like, all right, then. Basically, the basic conversation was, after that point, I have a friend to introduce to you. So he introduced me to Keith here. Uh, Keith and I got talking, and he asked me if I had a project that I had finished and wanted to publish, or if there was one that I wanted to work on now. So at that time, and currently, The Will of the Magi was a story that I had wanted to develop, I'd never actually put forward. So... 
keep my guy talking, and, you know, lo and behold, here we are, you know, almost a year later, you know, developing this podcast, and me writing this novel out, and, we, you know, taking it one step at a time from there, which has been the greatest blessing of my life here. <laughs> I do have to say, when I did call him up to offer to do this podcast with him, it had been a night... The, the idea of doing any sort of podcast has been bouncing around in my mind for some time now. It was right after his birthday, so it was sort of a late birthday present to him that, that uh, we were able to do this. So I've been writing. I really got into writing in sixth grade when I taking creative writing class in elementary school. And I remember writing a book on the history of the NHL where I literally just copied the list of rules and team changes from year to year and wrote it out into a a very long boring book <laughs> but it just kind of energized me and then over the years I would write for a school newspaper right up until when I came moved to Washington DC to go to American University I rose to being editor in chief of the newspaper during for a few months during my senior year uh at which point I got burned out but I found that I wasn't burned out with writing, I was just burned out with writing things that were real and true. <laughs> so so then I, I decided to start writing fiction. I, I personally I self-published my first book, Polk Soliloquy. I started writing it right after I graduated college in 2004, and I published it in fall of 2010. So definitely a long process on that one, but I was entirely on my own on that. And it wasn't, in fact, until I met my now wife that I really got energized in completing it. And then uh, I got continued to continue with my writing and wrote and published a second book, a novella, called Life's Penance in the end of summer 2012. And I wrote almost that entire book over the summer of 2012. Uh, so I, I learned through that process, I since I self-published myself, I did try to work within the publishing system, finding a traditional publisher, a literary agent, or you know whatever I would need to do, and just found brick wall after brick wall or other impediments to the publishing process. So I did it myself with uh, using Lulu.com for publishing my first book, and then some of the things I learned from Lulu. When I came out with my second book, I did a lot more of it by myself, including you know getting distribution to the different online stores. I did all my own marketing promotion, all my own cover design. I uh, I was able to set up my own book tours. Now, one thing that came out of me doing this was I came up with the idea that I don't have a publisher, but when you're reaching out to book uh, bookstores and other people to try to set up a book tour, they don't like to just hear an author and just call them out of the blue. They like to hear a publishing company. So I created a publishing company in name only. And that was the original foundation of what is now AS21 Publishing. Now, it remained essentially in my head until the government shutdown in 2013. I I'm my full-time job is I work for the federal government, the Library of Congress, and I was, thanks to a disagreement over the budget and uh, the debt ceiling, the government shut down for 16 days. 
And for the first time in my, since I was 15 years old, well, uh, first time steady employment since I left college, I was unemployed. I had going so far as to applying for unemployment and everything. And I decided at that point, never again. So uh, once we govern, you know, we started back up. I paid back my unemployment insurance and everything. I started formulating the plan that would make AS Twenty One Publishing a real publishing company. I started putting a team together. I contacted a lot of people I had worked with over the years uh, from college and. Uh, friends of friends, and was able to put together a management team. I uh, got some great people that were able to work with me, and, you know, people that were just, I mean, a, we're our, our part-time company, and but they're willing to put in the time part-time and work with me to help make this real. One of those people is one of my best friends, Joshua Silberman. He had first signed on as a planning and technological consultant, and as of just a couple weeks ago, we, he was promoted to being our webmaster. His brother, David, is Paul's friend. And on, uh, uh, we did, so he was, of course, uh, Joshua was Joshua's in the uh, early discussions of creating the company. And we launched a Kickstarter campaign in spring of last year. And I was reaching out to basically everyone I knew to try to fund the Kickstarter, primarily to launch company, but the the larger goal was we were launching a literary magazine, the AS21 Annual, which we published last fall. As part of building towards that, I met Josh, uh, and David came to visit me, and I was talking to David about my goals for this publishing company, that we would not focus on one specific genre, that we wouldn't put up walls to keep people from being able to share their work that we wouldn't use literary agents. They had, literary agents were basically a system created to uh, another another line of defense of, between an author and a publisher. So we decided to cut out the middleman on that and not deal with them. And he really bought into what I was saying, really believed in us, and he supported our Kickstarter, and he started to put me in contact with friends of his that were writers, and I'm happy to say that he was able to put me in contact with Paul, and we were able to help uh, myself and our editor-in-chief, Corey Parker, were able to talk with him and help create, you know, launch the genesis of the story idea that is the will of the Magi, and over the past year, we've been, well, the year, yeah, over the past year, we've been guiding him through the writing process giving him notes from time to time, reviewing his work to help him make it into reality. And although he hasn't officially completed his manuscript just yet, that uh, it was able, I saw the opportunity to be able to launch his podcast with Paul as our subject. And that way, any prospective authors out there could see the process from the inside, even though we are an independent publishing company and not a traditional publisher like Hachette or Penguin Random House or uh, Scribner or Simon & Schuster or any of them. But uh, we can still see some of the behind-the-scenes things. We may, since we're a small company, we may do them 
differently. We may do them on a different timeline. But some of the same things are true for authors, no matter what part of the publishing process they're working, if they're self-publishing, if they're working with traditional or they're working with an independent. So that's the genesis that came into creating this podcast you're listening to right now. And thank you very much for listening so far. And so that's where we are today. It's been a fun journey at this point, and I'm looking forward to the rest of it. Yeah, so moving forward, like I said at the beginning, with this is a monthly podcast, and right now Paul is in the writing stage. So I'm going to send it back to Paul for him to talk a little bit more about how the writing has been going, and uh, I, I do, I'm not going to expect him to give away major plot points or anything, but every once in a while I may ask him to do a reading or just to give some details about how's, how he's been doing. And if anything, this podcast should help energize him to keep writing every day. So, uh, go ahead, Paul. Thank you, Keith. So, with my story, as I said, it's a fantasy story, um, and as I mentioned, you know, previously, I do have some of the classic aspects in my fantasy story. Um, I, yeah, I do have magic, I do have some of the fantasy creatures, uh, elves, dwarves, goblins, uh, several others I won't be mentioning yet. Um, they will be making their appearances uh, maybe in a future podcast or when you guys read my book. One of my one of the areas I tend to ignore initially with my initial step into the story are cliches. I just get my entire story, you know, as many of the major details as I can in my head. I personally like to live the story in my head. What would I do in that situation? Or if I'm basing my character off of someone else I know, what would that person potentially do in this situation? And moving it on from there. So I move the story along at that rate. And as I, you know, develop the story, I'll, I like probably like every other writer I know of, you know, the number of notebooks we go through, the number of pens we go through, the number of pencils we go through, is just enormous. I definitely have several boxes worth of notebooks that, you know, have ideas from this story, that story, you know, jotted up the wazoo in there. So that's where this one went on from. I just, you know, kept on getting out ideas or, you know, occasionally I would have this scene that would absolutely fascinate me. I think one of my first ones uh, that really, really hit me early on is when my main character first my main character first uses magic in a destructive fashion my main character is born using magic some you know lots of fantasy stories you know the way you get to magic is you know as numerous as there are people with thoughts on this planet you know you're born using it you're trained to use it you accidentally figure out how to use it someone forces it upon you yada 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 my main character falls into the category where he's born using it which you know there are multiple uh, societal aspects about my story where you know this is a benefit to those around him this is a disadvantage to those around him as you know most people create in their stories you know you want to have some kind of balance you want to have some kind of issue of course, and you know when you you'll find out what the issue is later on. So he, the fascination for me was 
you know, you have a young, you know, human born with the ability to use magic. So, what does that entail? There are lots of uh, cliches. I know I definitely have them in my story. Some cliches. I, I I love certain ones. Certain ones, yes, they annoy me. Certain ones, I enjoy. Um, and so, you know, human. You know, he's born. He only has his father. There's no mother involved with the picture. I, you know, the number of characters you get, you know, that have family issues. Very few fantasy stories have a have a whole family. I've noticed. Someone's always gone missing or is dead or there is some problem with some member of the family. So I got rid of the mother. Um, the maternal figures, for some reason, the loss of them always strikes me as much harder on my characters for some reason. And so my character, uh, he's born, he's using magic, and he slowly learns how to control it. Um, once he gets to be of an age where he can actually understand why he has to control uh, the magic that's pouring out of him. And for him, the magic manifests in him as fire. So I have a fascination with fire, so I you know put that into my main character, where his initial magical ability is controlling, manipulating, and using fire. Actually, a fun little thing about him is that when he is born, he actually burns down his own house because, you know, he's literally born, power comes out of him, magic comes out of him, and he transforms into fire inside of a, you know, know, fantasy wooden mud hut. You know, a small wooden house, mud walls, that, that wonderful image that everyone has when it comes to a fantasy story, a little shack. You know, that, that kind of structure is not going to sustain any amount of fire very well, and his home doesn't. Yeah, probably um, wouldn't stand up to the big bad wolf either. No, <laughs> no, definitely without sense. No fantasy household very stands up to anything very well, you yeah. know, from what I've noticed, unless you have, you know, a massive walled city like you have in certain epics. Hey, um, hey, even Helm's Deep didn't hold up to the orc attack. No, that was a very large amount of fire, too, except that was, you know, you gotta love, you know, massive grenades and bombs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even Gondor didn't stand up to, you know, the attacks all that long, either. Oh. My character, you know, he ate, you know, he is lucky enough to find, to have someone nearby who is actually able to teach him, and no, it's not a family member, you know, Everyone always has the mysterious uncle who can teach them. Um, and ironically enough, it's uh, the lessons he learns and the way he learns to control his power are not actually based on magic. I found that um, a lot of magic, there's the group that you get your magic through a deity, through some creature or essence beyond yourself, where that's how you can control your magic is what you get your magic from. I, I personally am more fond of the idea that magic is just energy that's out there. It's as plentiful as sunlight or as wind or, you know, air. And that's, you know, you, you breathe in, you breathe out, air comes in, and magic comes in as well. And air goes out, and now magic goes out. That's, you know, how I picture it. So the lessons he learns are actually from someone who teaches him based upon faith. So he's not learning to control the magic through his faith, uh, through this uh, priest's faith, uh, but the lessons are applicable. You know, meditate on this, and you should be able to delve deeper into yourself. You know, that kind of mentality is where I'm going for at this point. 
And so the first, the, I'm getting to the scene, of course. And so when the boy is um, about seven or eight years old, there is, of course, you know, there's an attack on his village by a band of goblins. Um, you know, you have a you know frontier town. And those They're, goblins always causing trouble, especially this time of year. Goblins always cause trouble. There's never been a good goblin, um, <laughs> unless uh, you are the dragon slayer Jig. Uh, okay. He's a good one, but you know that's a that's a different story that someone else wrote. Yeah, um, yeah, no stealing that. <laughs> no stealing that one, no. So anyway, you know he's a you know the young lad you know sees his father and the other you know people from the village going out to defend them, and you know. He's told not to participate. Now, of course, you know, any you, telling a boy to not participate in a fight really doesn't really work for anyone anywhere. You know, there's a fight, the boy's going to participate, especially if he has something that no one else has. So he goes and unleashes his magic and gets most of them, but, of course, they get off that one lucky shot. Now... You know, I, I I I am following the cliche for goblins and that they are filthy, disgusting creatures. And mine are, of course, as filthy and disgusting as they come. You're and, just living up to the stereotype, that's all. Yeah, they're just living up to that wonderful stereotype. You know, they're inbred, disgusting things, filthy. And so the arrow, not shot very well, but shot just well enough to hit the target. So it hits the young, our main, my main character in the shoulder. Not lethal wounds, painful, not lethal, normally. But you have a young boy who, pretty much since he could walk and talk, has been meditating and learning how to use magic. So he's physically, he's not really that well put together. You know, he's a you know, spindly little weak child. And the infection he gets from the arrow is what almost kills him, which will then shape him and his educational career for much later on throughout the story. Throughout my story, you know, as people listen in on this, um, I will give you, I will, you know, you get all these wonderful details and looks into my character. In terms of where I'm looking for, for inspiration, I, I love studying history. My, this current storyline of mine, I'm following the tried-and-true classic method of looking into more medieval European uh, societal bases. Although my I have a fascination with more ancient history, so you will notice uh, some touches of Greek history, uh, Roman history. Um, people will also, people who are you know exceptional history fans will also notice um, touches upon uh, ancient Chinese history, if you pay really close attention, um, which I hope you know my readers do enjoy those little extra little tidbits that I put in there. I like t- I like those little extra things. Uh, one of my favorite things when I was never I would read a book is if I could look up if so, you know I would read a passage and they'd be like that's fascinating. Is there a basis of that in real life? And I would then go look it up and be like. Oh yes, there is a there is an aspect of people using obsidian, you know, in so in swords and in clubs beyond just the South American, you know, tribes and cultures. Those kind of things fascinated me, uh, and I would be able to take them on from there. Okay, well, we're coming up to our time on this uh, our 
the title page, the first official episode of Publish Me. An in-depth look at the publishing process with an independent publishing company. Now, you know you can reach us, facebook.com, Publish Podcast, or on Twitter, at Publish Podcast. If you have questions for me or for Paul, feel free to send them along. And of course, yes, Paul is still in the writing process, but you don't need to send in your own ideas or inspirations. Let Paul's story come together in his own way. I, I, I always like when people can give their their own ideas and thoughts on things, but this is Paul's story, and we're going to let it let it grow that way in his mind, as, as it should be. But if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything you want to let out, it may be used on a future episode. So you use good grammar, use good language, and we'll, we'll see where it goes. So we, we're definitely trying to keep ourselves away from the explicit tag in iTunes. There's no reason to be stepping into that territory. But uh, thank you for listening to this inaugural episode of the Publish Me Podcast. You should be able to find it every month on the 7th on iTunes Radio, Stitcher, uh, being hosted at Podomatic at as21.podomatic.com, our website, media.as21.com. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you for your time today. Thank you very much, Keith. It's been a pleasure. All right. Copyright 2015, AS21 Publishing, LLC. All rights reserved. AS21 Publishing. What do you want your book to be?